For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Use the code word REBEL for a discount on pillows, sheets, pet beds, and everything else at MyPillow.com. Woo! Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hope you're having a great week. August is almost here. We got Reggie Campbell on the broadcast today. Today's broadcast is brought to you by SaveTheStorks.com, my favorite pro-life organization, and the new official insurance sponsor of Rebel Parenting, PolicyGenius.com. All the insurance you could possibly need. Health insurance, pet insurance, renter's insurance, homeowners, life insurance. You need it. They've got it. PolicyGenius.com. Good broadcast today for the dads. Reggie Campbell talking about what radical husbands do. I had a lot of fun talking to him. Hope you enjoy it. Here is Reggie Campbell on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Reggie Campbell, man, I am glad you're on. I just got off a live video where I was literally screaming. I have never done that before, but I was screaming into the microphone. I'm so tired of hearing that there is this nebulous force holding women down and that that force is this evil masculinity out there, you know, and that men shouldn't be men, although women should be men, but men should be soft and weak and all these things. That's, that doesn't sound like a radical husband. You've got a book called What Radical Husbands Do. Uh, it, you know, we, it was here for a while. We were busy and, and all these different things, and finally we picked it up, and wow, Reggie, you've got a powerful story. What gave you the courage just to be honest about all the things in your life? You know, I'm going to have you tell a little bit of your story, but before, I'm going to get a little you know, a little foreboding before we jump into it. What gave you the courage just to be like, you know what? I've done some serious things and I'm going to tell a lot of people hoping it will change their life and change their marriage. Well, I've been mentoring eight guys a year for 18 years. And um, so I I invite to apply. I wrote a book called Mentor Like Jesus, and, and it sort of lays out the process that Jesus used in selecting his disciples. So I, I take eight, take applications, pick eight guys and walk with them for nine months or a year, every year. And through the course of those, uh, those years, I find we, we talk more about marriage than just about anything else. Mm. I mean, it, it, people don't buy solutions to problems they don't have. And if you talk about felt needs, every guy has a felt need of having a better marriage. And, and they don't say that. I'm sorry. I got to, I got to repeat that line again. People don't buy solutions to problems. They don't have my goodness. If you want to go into big data, marriage books and parenting books, there are more of those produced every year than almost anything else. We've got some serious things going on. I love that. That's fantastic. Yes. Hmm. So, but the problem is that most of the guys in my groups, I mean, they, they don't want better marriages. They just want better wives. They want their wives to step it up and do what they want when they want better than, um, better than the people on their computer screens and yada, yada, yada. And so we talk about that year over year. And so I guess about four years ago, five years ago, uh, I thought, you know, maybe if I pull all that together and, and, and put it into a, a, a book that would be a straight up piece to men mm. 
Uh, and, and basically, it's about it's it's how I saved my marriage, and uh, you know how I won my wife's heart back. And since a lot of guys maybe aren't as dumb as me, and and they they still have their wife's heart, how do you keep it if you got it? Mm-hmm. And so it just coalesced around these eleven, twelve principles, and and uh, you know some publishers looked at it, but since men don't typically um, read marriage books, yep. Uh, of course, men don't read anything much. But, uh, Almost nobody they, reads anything. That's the truth. It's, I think the study is 75% of Americans don't read or finish one book after high school. Yeah, it's crazy. There's over a million books published every single year, and three quarters of the country isn't picking up one of them. So you're right. That's the whole thing. We want better marriages, or we say we want better marriages when we're talk, you know, when we complain about wives, but we're not willing to pick up a book and read and try to get better ourselves. We think it's the other person that's the problem. How in your right. mentoring, you know, that's kind of a, a slap in the face to tell a guy, hey man, you're the problem, not her. How do, how do you do that without having guys be like, Hey, I'm not up for this. I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be about involved in that. Well, the, the, the missing piece, the secret sauce is, is transparency and vulnerability. <clears throat> and I want to distinguish between the two, but transparency is, is the cool thing now. Oh, let me tell you about my childhood. Let me how, tell you how I was abused, uh, how I was oppressed and, you know, whatever. Transparency is just kind of like spilling your guts. Vulnerability is different because that's saying, hey, not only did I screw up, this is what happened to me, but this is where I still am. This is what I'm working on now. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. And, and, and so every one of these groups starts with, with transparency and vulnerability on my part. So when you go in and you you start in a in a confidential environment, saying, "Hey, look, mm-hmm. this is what I did. This is this is the life I lived for 33 years. This is where it got me." And then when my wife left, and I and I I realized what I had lost and what I was about to forever lose. Mm. That's when I surrendered to Christ. Yep. You and know what, so- Reggie? I I was talking to someone the other night who came to me a few months ago and said uh, he his wife had discovered his pornography problem and he wanted help and he had gone to all of his friends to confess, to get out in the open, to get over it. And I was talking to him the other night and I said, you know, you're one of the strongest, toughest people I know. Your resolve is so strong. Did you just have the strength of will to do that, to quit watching? You know, you were addicted to pornography. You had been in it for a long time. It was a strength of will. And he said, no, I was afraid my wife would leave me and take my kids away. And that one surprised me. And his wife was like, yep, I would have done it too. And I was like, whoa, okay. So with you, let's talk about that. I mean, your wife just upped and left one day and said, can't do it anymore. Let's talk about your story to get you to the place where you've written Radical Husbands. Because it's happening all over the place and husbands don't want it, obviously. So let's talk about your story. Well, people don't change from the light. They change from the heat. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'd taken my wife and my family for granted uh, for, for the whole 13 years we'd been married at the time. And so uh, we went to a marriage counselor, and my goal was for my wife to get fixed. And, of course, this uh, if you're going to get take your wife to get her fixed at a marriage counselor, don't take her to a woman. Uh, this woman saw through me like a plate glass window, Ooh. and I walked, uh, she handed them to me, man. It was awful. And uh, But she prescribed Good a date. Her. Oh yeah, it was it was the best thing ever happened. Uh, but she told us to go on a date. We had a date, and it was the first time we had really talked. My wife was so beautiful that night, 
And, um, and, and she looked at me and she said, you know, we have different dreams. You're not the man I married before. Mm. And, um, I gotta, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I I gotta, I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone, but I'm leaving you with the kids and I want you to get to know them while I'm gone. And uh, the next she went home and uh, we went home and she took off. And what did that's you say? The, I mean, did you say, no, don't leave? I mean, was it, or was that just, you knew that there was really, that was nothing. There was nothing you could say that she was, that was it. You know, when, when you married somebody for 12, 13 years, you know, when there is a redeemable conversation and you know, when it's not. Yep. And when yeah. she said what she said, it was mm-hmm. over. And then she, she literally got in the car and left. How and that was the, the time. Uh, 10 and 7. Well, we, how did they handle that? Well, they were asleep and um, they got up the next morning and I explained to them that mom was gone and that she would be back, but uh, it was just going to be us for a little while. And it was the very best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, that day when, when my daughter got off the bus, we took a walk through the woods and I got down. I mean, remember now, I'm a, like a 12-year-old Jesus follower, 12-month, mm-hmm. 12-hour-old Jesus follower. And I remember getting down on my knees, which put me about eye level with her. And I said, Aaron, I am so sorry. I, I've been a horrible dad. I have been inconsistent. I haven't been here. I've been worshiping career. And I cried. She put her hands, wrapped me in her, her, her uh, uh, my, my hands around her hair. And she said, it's okay, Daddy. You were a good dad when you were here. Oh, when you were here. And I mean, that week, Ryan was just amazing. I mean, God just spoke to me through my kids, and just it just started something in me that said, "Man, you got so much to be grateful for." So when my wife called a week later, and she said, "How are the kids?" And I said, "Well, we're doing okay." I said, "But I need to tell you something. I've surrendered to Christ." And she said, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. And I told her what I did. She said, well, your voice sounds the same, but the words are different. I'll come home for one day. And so six hours later, she came home and we talked and she stayed, slept in separate bedrooms. The next day I said, well, you stay one more day. And she said, "Okay, I'll stay one more day. She said, I want to see if this is real. Mm. So that was 35 years ago and I'm still on a day to day contract. So that's wow. the way successful marriage. You get a leash that is so short <laughs> that you, you are always on your best behavior. But I mean, she saw something different in me when when I let Christ have my life and I gave up all my anger towards my dad. Uh, I put down my expectations for her. And I said, you know, I, she's the best thing ever happened to me. I've just got to love her just like she is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's where we started over. And wow. um, so that was, and that's chapter one in the book. It is. Yep. Is, is tell her that you love her and mean it and that you're never going to go away because mm-hmm. there's a deep seated fear inside all of us, particularly women, yep. um, that, that, that they're going to be left alone and abandoned. And when a, when a wife hears you say, Hey, I'm here, I'm never going to leave. 
um, that, that, that scratches something that's deep down in their soul. It's true. It really is. And, and I don't think people, I think people blow that off a little bit. I think they kind of uh, belittle that point a little bit. And especially men, you need to say that. You need to say it regularly. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Just so you know, I know that what you see on TV of the divorces happening all the time. I know in our church, you see divorces all over the place. I know at school, you see divorces everywhere. I know you see husband cheating uh, on reality shows all over the place. Me? I'm not going anywhere. You got to remind people, I'm different. I know the whole world looks the same, says we're all the same. I'm not. I'm different. I'm married to you. It's the only one. Chapter two, I love. I love chapter two. I've heard that illustration before. In fact, I, I, I drew a little cartoon of it terribly. I won't show it. Uh, to, to my wife, you want pirates to guarantee they're going to take an island. When they jump off, burn the ships. No escape route. You know, we have that, though. There is, it feels like, it's, even in Christian culture, even in evangelicalism, when people get married, it still feels like they know there's one foot out the door because you can, right? It's not that. It's not seen as that big of a deal anymore until you talk to the kids and the families that have gone through it and you realize it's devastating. It's just devastating. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that encourages me so much about what I do with these mentoring groups is I'm now mentored 136 guys over 18 years. <clears throat> I've had five divorces, five divorces out of 135 marriages. And um, it's, it's, it's just phenomenal because when, when, when guys meet Jesus and they, and they commit their lives to following him, he gets their heart, he gets their lives, he gets their marriage, he gets their pride, he gets, you know, and they're, they're not all perfect, but they begin to see where peace comes from. And it's from standing, standing with Christ and for something and not for blowing in the wind like, other, uh, like everybody else. Man, that's amazing. Reggie, that's, my goodness, I don't know how to do percentages, but your percentage rate on that is astronomical, and I want to bring it up because it's working in a way that doesn't work for any other industry. Uh, you know, I study these things. Uh, the success rate of marriage counselors in America is 30%. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. That's the success rate. People going to a counselor for marriage trouble pre-divorce those that don't get divorced after receiving counseling, it's three out of 10, 30%. Seven out of 10 get divorced. The, mm-hmm. the failure rate is so astronomical. One, because it's far too late. They wait so long to get any kind of help. And I think with mentoring, maybe it's a, it's a little bit easier of an entry to get in with a mentor. You know, Reggie, yesterday I had a neighbor who's, Goodness, he's at least a decade younger than me, probably one and a half. But he was saying there really aren't any mentors. You know, people don't hand down skills. Everybody owns their entire set of tools. There's not a whole lot of borrowing and sharing of information and knowledge. Do you encourage other people to mentor? Is it, I mean, it seems to work so well. I mean, five out of 137, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it works really well. It's not just me either. We've got a, a, about 5,200 guys who have been through a radical mentoring group mm. somewhere in, in the country or somewhere uh, overseas. And, and the percentages, I don't know what the percentages are amongst all of those people. But here's the deal. Mm. You know, I, I, when I sit down with eight guys, 
there's nothing off limits. Okay. These are not marriage mentoring groups. These are life mentoring groups. Mm -hmm. Jesus at the center of them. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about career. I'm going to talk about the futility of worshiping career. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my pet words, right, is they. You know, they owned me for 13 years. They wanted me to get an MBA at night. So what do I do? For three and a half years, I'm working, going to school three nights a week, ignoring my my toddlers, missing out on the best years of their lives because they want me to have an MBA. Guess what? When my wife was gone, they weren't there. Yeah. That's right. And, and today, I don't even know who they were. I can't even call the name of who they were. You think about the impact of they on us. What will they think if I forgive her for infidelity? Mm. What will they think if I forgive yes. yes. What will they think if I confess to struggling with porn? Mm-hmm. What will they think if I finally give up and go to rehab? I mean, they yep. are ruling us and they are irrelevant mm-hmm. to real to, to the real world. That's, Reggie, here's the thing too. To the people that are worried about that, I want to speak to you. The they, I call these the 98. The 98% of the people will not do that hard choice. They're not going to go to rehab. They're not going to admit a porn problem. They're not going to go to counseling. They're not going to show up at church knowing you know they're going to counseling with their wife because their marriage is in trouble and they're struggling. 98% won't. Those of you that are doing it, don't worry about them. Don't, they're scared. They're afraid. They're so afraid that if it happened to them, they wouldn't have your courage, your resolve, your strength, your character. They're so afraid they couldn't do it that they give you the stink eye. And they go, I can't believe you took that guy back that was looking at the porn. And you go, oh, because you couldn't. You'd let your marriage fail. You'd have it end in divorce and your kids have divorced parents. That's what you would do. I'm not going to do that. You know, you were strong when you did that. You took care of the kids. You, you made the hard choice. You gave your life to the Lord. You repented and said, I was wrong. And the guys in your group are doing it as well. It, one of the ways you've done that, Reggie, and I've, I've, I have seen this, I think this may be the first time I've seen it in a book, Two Husbands, which is obviously about marriage. It's chapter eight, Learn to Lose. Mm-hmm. We've, we can't do that. Isn't it nuts? I had to learn the hard way. Winning in marriage doesn't matter. My goodness, it doesn't matter. And I'm so competitive. I'm competitive with everything, with life in general. I love to win. Winning in marriage will ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your marriage. It makes you an adversary. You're against your wife. You're combatants against your wife. How did you learn that? I love the way you've put it in the book. Well, I guess I, I learned to lose by uh, by winning a lot and losing everything. <laughs> you know, you win the arguments, you win the decisions. You know, I just my wife trusted me so much that she just let me run things mm-hmm. and make decisions. And I, ultimately, what what led us to the to the prefaces prefaces preface? How do you say that word? Prefaces. Anyway, yeah, that one too. Uh, you know, I took a job. I was with AT&T, and I took a job back in Atlanta <clears throat> without talking to her. We had just built a new home. She designed it. We'd been in it 20 months. Oh, no. Kids were you know, close to family. Kids were enrolled in school. Great situation. And they came to me and said, you know, Glenn wants you to move back to Atlanta. And if you'll do that for a year, he's going to promote you to area vice president. I said, okay, I'll go. And, and, and he says – 
well, don't you want to talk to your wife? I said, no, she'll come. That's called the square root of stupid. All right. I'll let you say it. I was getting Uh, nervous. I was trying to figure out when the lightning was about to strike. I hear you. It's just crazy. I know. And, 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 you know, so I'm winning. I'm getting my way. I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. And what I learned is that when you win – when you win and you don't listen to your wife, mm-hmm. a friend of mine had a real marriage crisis and my wife found, or, or his wife called my wife, she'd found uh, something on, the, or he'd found something on the printer that his wife had written and said, I don't feel like, I'll, I'll call him Joe, I, I don't feel like Joe gives me a voice. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my, my friend John about this and he said, when a woman says, she has no voice. That says that her husband has not paid attention to her feelings. Mm. Yeah. And how you how you win in marriage is when you feel your wife, you see your wife, you feel her, and you take her what's coming out of her right brain into account, not just what's coming out of your left brain into account. Mm-hmm. And, and and so the winning comes in that blissful. A little period of time when you're on the same page, you know, and it's not, I don't care who it is. Tell me that you're on that same page all the time and I'll tell you're a liar. It's the rarity, but enjoy those short times while you are, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And and you get to most, most of those come when you collaborate, when you put her first and when you consider her feelings Mm -hmm. and listen to her voice. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels. This portion of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Save the Storks. Save the Storks helps moms with an unplanned pregnancy. And that's my story. I was an unplanned pregnancy. My birth mom was 16 and faced an uphill battle. And a pregnancy resource center in her area helped her carry me all the way to fruition and then helped adopt me into my family and save the storks helps pregnancy resource centers across the country with stork buses providing mobile ultrasound machines where four out of five moms choose life after seeing their baby on an ultrasound and hearing the heartbeat over 6,000 babies have been saved on stork buses please support save the storks with your prayers and visit savethestorks.com to become a monthly sponsor Join the movement and help us revolutionize the meaning of pro-life. For more information, visit SaveTheStorks.com. Welcome back to Rebel Parenting. Did you miss us? Reggie, what are some of the big landmines that uh, men are stepping on in their marriages? What are some of the early ones, just some of those like, hey, if you can get rid of this, this, and this, we're really going to do good. What are some of those early big ones that really do reverberate throughout the years? Well, on a micro basis, I'd say the number one, uh, the number one thing is, is learn where her raw spots are and, and stay away from them. Mm. You don't solve, you don't solve right brain problems with left brain arguments. Women, as you know, women's brains are, are tied together in a way that men's brains aren't. And so when your wife says, oh, well, I've got my, my brother is such a jerk. He is so screwing around with my mom's head and uh, trying to maneuver himself to get a bigger inheritance. Mm. 
Now, most men will jump in and say, well, wait a minute. You know, what's the value of that inheritance and why does it matter? You know, your brother lives four states away. Well, I'm right here. Your kids are what really matter. All left brain arguments. By the way, and here's the truth to all the guys listening. All the things you're saying are true. Those are true yes. answers and true thoughts about the situation. And this is the thing, because, I, man, I've stepped on that landmine. Boy, have I just blown that one up. I have lost legs doing that one. What your wife wants is defend her. You're right. Your brother is a jerk. Boy, that jerk, if I see him, I'm going to punch him in the mouth for trying to do that to you. What would you like? Just overreact. Yes, you couldn't be. I Man, that, why is it so hard for, and I'm going to point the finger at me on this one, Reggie. Why is it so hard why is it so hard to do that? You know, if your wife's in a job and she's gotten in a little bit over her head and, and you're defending the client, not your wife. You're defending the boss or the coworker, not your wife. Why do we have such a hard time just jumping in? You're right. They're wrong. I can't even believe, you know. Why is it? Why? I feel so hard-headed because I know I've done that. Why is that hard? Because it's uh, pride. And we are fixtures, mm. and we see things clearly because we don't look at it through the same lens that they look at it through. And so we want to jump in and tell them the answer. Here's what you should do. Here's how you oh, should respond. Of course, of course, of course. And what they want is empathy. They What they want, they want, oh, I am so sorry. I, I mean, it, it, it sucks that he's treating you that way. Yep. You know, yeah. man, I, 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 they just they just want you to feel them and not fix them. And it's affirming. It's absolutely affirming. yes. It, it's affirming who they are. Your thoughts and feelings are correct. You do have a right to feel that. You know, it. You know, yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's and that's an interesting one too. And here's why it's interesting, especially in in this realm, Reggie, in the evangelical realm of marriage and parenting. When we get into this. It's because part of our job as parents is to teach our children when their emotions are unfounded, when their feelings are unfounded. I'm mad because I can't eat sugar for breakfast. Well, that feeling is unfounded and you shouldn't be angry. And so that's part of our job. And so often we get that role, that weird thing, especially Christianity, where we start thinking, oh, I got to teach my wife some of these things. I got to teach my wife I got to grow her up a little bit and and teach her the ways of the world and you shouldn't be upset because you know work happens and da 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 I got to tell you man when you're married to somebody no 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 how does she feel that woman in your bed be concerned with her not her boss or her co-worker yeah you're not her parent well, you're the husband or the wife whichever loving is listening mm. loving is listening and more and more in our culture they're the, the most unique um, element that you can bring to a relationship is listening. And I don't mean just listening to the content, listening to the feelings and connecting with the feelings in the moment that you're seeing and observing and hearing coming from your spouse, coming from your wife or your husband. Mm. And that's, I mean, we want to stand up and beat on the table about, you know, respect your husband's but the reality is, if you want to be respected, learn to listen, mm -hmm. learn to connect with her feelings and just empathize and don't don't come up with with solutions to her problems. Just listen. 
And all of a sudden, she'll start to respect you because you've got the self-control and self-discipline to not jump in and, and try to take over her problems. And she will feel loved and cared for. And that's just it's part of the secret sauce to make it work. I agree. You know, I tell you, the first time I started learning that is when I had a daughter. Um, yeah. <laughs> I And she she's emotional. She's a girl. You know, it's so funny. I... I, I I hesitate a little bit to even say that. And she's emotional. She's a girl. She's more emotional than me. She cries regularly uh, and much more easily than my son or myself. And we have this thing with kids. We do it especially with boys. We do it with little girls too. Don't cry. It's okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. Don't show emotion. And it would frustrate her because she was emotional. She was feeling emotions enough to want to cry. And here daddy is saying, no, don't do though. Don't feel this way that you feel. When she would come and cry to me and I would go, oh yes, and wrap my arms around her and just let her cry until she wanted to stop crying. She started crying less and then getting over it quicker because I just let her be who she was. And then as dads, then we have to look at our wives and say, how have I not done that with you? And how can I now learn to do that with you? Oh man, Reggie, such good stuff. Hmm. Talk about step 11, stop talking and do something. I think we do that. We pl- we plan a lot, and re- you know, I think sometimes I want guys just take some action, just choose something and do it. Take action. Well, one of the most controversial things that I I say is that the man is responsible for the quality of the marriage. Uh, and I will tell my guys, if you don't like the way your wife is, and you've been married for five years or more, go look in the mirror because you made her that way. I unpack that one because I know there's a lot of guys that are like, hang on, you've not been in my marriage. So I'm sure there are exceptions to the rule, but give me why you generally think that to be true. Because I've seen how I treated my wife and I've watched these guys and how they talk about their wives. And I mean, I can't tell you how many cups of coffee I've had listening to guys railing about their wife and this and that and the other. Mm. And, and if we take responsibility for our marriages and we lead, we step up and say, okay, it is my God-given responsibility to love and lead my wife. And so it's not anybody's fault but my own if she's not being led well. Mm. You know, you got a dog. Do you have a dog, uh, Ryan? We, we have had dogs. We have a, a short, brief period right now where we don't, but we've had dogs our whole marriage. <laughs> Yeah. A friend of mine raises uh, dogs. He said 22 dogs. He mm. says, look, there are three elements in raising and managing a good dog. First is leadership. A dog needs leadership. Secondly, a dog needs adventure. And third, a dog needs love. He said, show me a bad dog and I'll show you a master who's inverted those three. Yep. They love the dog. They provide the dog with adventure, but they don't provide the dog with leadership. Mm-hmm. I don't want to compare marriage, husband or wives with that. But I think leadership is the first one. And that says I take responsibility. I'm intentional about what I do. Yep. Mm. I'm on I'm on purpose for that. And then I trust God for the outcome. That's that's the key is I can't I can't I can't make my wife, my life, my marriage be a 10. Okay, because there are two people involved. And yes, my wife came with a different DNA than me. Yes, my wife came with a different set of experiences in her childhood, some of which 
can never be un, uh, even processed, much less undone. Uh, and, and yes, my wife came with experiences that I had no role in before she came to me. But on the other hand, she is the one person in the world that I am completely and totally intimate with. Yep. I have the most influence with her of anybody in her life. Therefore, what I do and how I treat her, what I say to her, how I respond to her has huge impact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if I consistently live with her in an understanding way, if I study her, then I've got a good chance of moving the needle. Well, you, listen, Reggie, you said something early in this, in this part that stood out. And I was watching a documentary last night on Baker Mayfield, um, the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he uh, first round draft pick Cleveland Browns, and there's controversy all around him. I get it. And the part that I remember is they had lost a game, and he went to the press and said, "It's my fault." Mm-hmm. And what I wrote down when you were saying that is, if you talk to guys that have been married for five years or more, and they don't like their marriage, and you point at them and say, "Look in the mirror," real leaders take blame. Real mm-hmm. leaders take blame. And you can see that across the board. The buck stops here when a CEO stands up and says, yep, our company failed and it's totally my fault, even if underlings below him did things. You know, you watched uh, LeBron James do that in the finals. Take the blame for things when other players did things when he wouldn't have done that. But that's what a leader does. And if you are going to be that in a marriage, then you can and probably ought to take the blame. Man, I'm pointing fingers at myself all day long on this one today. But I think what you said then that's so important is that leadership is taking responsibility and putting faith in the Lord. It's, if responsibility alone is only hard work. You know, if you, t- if you gave this book and took all the faith elements out of it and you said a leader takes responsibility for his marriage and you can work your way into a great marriage, I don't believe you. But you and the Lord can work your way into a good marriage. Well, and, and that's why I, I wrote the book the way I did. I put the 11 chapters or, or the 11 principles, and you can read those, and there's not a, a lot of faith elements in there. I mean, those I think they would help anyone. Yep. But when you get to chapter 12, what you're, you're going to hear me say is you, you don't have much of a chance of living mm-hmm. these things out successfully if you don't have faith. Right. I mean, if you don't have... Mm-hmm. If you don't have the love of the Lord inside of you, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit, peace, patience, love, joy, you don't have those elements at work, and you're going to have a really hard time uh, loving her consistently when she's not loving you back. Um, but but I, I, I really do think that we have responsibility uh, for leading and loving our wives. You know, you look at other elements of our lives. If you decide that you're going to be a great guitarist mm-hmm. okay do you, you come up with a plan and you say okay i'm gonna practice 15 minutes a day i'm gonna take a lesson once a week you know and over time you can get better at being a guitarist if you decide you want to get in shape what do you do you yep. make a plan every day you work at it every day you work at it and you say okay all right what's the most important relationship in my life other than my relationship mm-hmm. with god oh that's my wife that's my marriage so what am I going to do? Yep. Well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday yeah. or mm-hmm. we're going to go to a marriage retreat. Well, that ain't enough. Hey, listen, that don't work. no, they're not. 
We did the survey. We did the study. We asked people, after your marriage, how much have you invested monetarily? How much have you spent specifically on your marriage? A book, a conference, uh, counseling, anything. How many? Of you, how much have you spent specifically on your marriage? Most, well over 50%, not $1. They've not invested right. a, a dollar into their marriage. They've not gone to the conference. They've not read the book. They've not been to counseling. None of those things. And as a man, this is one thing that I can say. If you get oil changes, you should go to marriage counseling. It's preventative maintenance. It's right. so much better to have a third party to get you over those roadblocks you keep coming up against. Those fights you've had for five years, for 10 years. You keep bringing it up. You never get past it. Third party. Get that oil change. Get into a mechanic. See what you can do. Yeah, Ryan, one thing I wanted to make sure we touch on um, in, in, in directly connecting this back to Rebel Parenting, you've heard, and now I'm sure you've said on this program multiple times, that the best thing you can do to parent your kids is to have a strong marriage. Yeah. That's kind of a colloquialism in church world. But I want to give you a specific example mm-hmm. of, of something that, that uh, validates that. In radical mentoring, one of the first exercises that guys do is they go home, they come home from work, or they come from the basement, wherever they work, but they re-enter their wives' world at the end of a workday. <clears throat> and they they are to go within five feet of their wives and stay there for five minutes. No non-sexual touches are okay. No thumbing through the mail, no petting the dog, no playing with the kids. Five minutes of complete focus on their wives to listen with both content and feeling of how their day went, just reconnecting and and do that for 30 days and come back to the group and debrief. One of the guys in my group, I guess my second group came in and after doing this for 30 days, he said, Kathy and I were in the kitchen and we had to send the kids to couch time so we could do our, our, um, our five feet for five minutes. And he said a few minutes into it, our son Jackson came over and started unloading the dishwasher. Jackson's six. He's never unloaded a dishwasher in his life. He goes to him and he says, Jackson, what are you doing? Why are you unloading the dishwasher? He said, Dad, I thought if, if I unloaded the dishwasher, maybe you and Mom would talk longer. Oh. Reggie, that's heavy. We're not raising good kids. We're raising adults. We're showing, we're showing Jackson how to treat his wife. And that's why I'm so passionate about mentoring uh, and marriage. Mm -hmm. Man. Well, and it's worked. Obviously it has. I mean, you talk about the 137 and five, it's, it's worked well and it's encouraging. It really is. It's encouraging. Hmm. We got emotional in here on that one. (laughs) I got my producer here. It's true. It is. It's true. We talk about that all the time. If you want your kids to have a good marriage, work on your marriage. If you want your kids to be good with money, work on your finances. If you want your kids to have good relationships, work on your relationships. If you want kids to be hard workers, be a hard worker. You are that role model and the example. I have that in my life. And so it is. It's so important to think about that when it comes to marriage and relationships. Wow. Reggie, thanks for being on today. This is such good stuff. Mm. Well, I'm I'm honored that, that uh, you you ask. I uh, mm. 
the connection between what what I'm about and what you're about is so strong. Uh, you know, parents are interpreters for their children, and mentors are interpreters for the adults. Yep. You know what I what I get to do with these groups and what other men and churches all over the country get to do when they're when they're mentoring in these small group contexts is help interpret what's going on for the guys that they're mentoring, just like a parent interprets what's happening in the, in the world around their children. So I'm, I'm, I'm a blessed man to get to do this. I hope, uh, I hope other guys will get excited about it and, uh, and get their churches interested too. It's all free, by the way. We don't sell or charge anything for, oh uh, for making our content available to uh, to anybody. Wow. Well, I tell you what, we definitely want to have you back on to talk about radical mentoring. After talking to you today, and especially the conversations we had over this weekend about mentoring, just with the people in my neighborhood, uh, it's something I'm interested in, and we've talked about it enough. So I definitely want to get you back on. Reggie, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ryan. Good. Take care. God bless. Bye bye. Thanks for listening, Rebels. We appreciate you. We grew almost 20% this month, and it's because you're sharing this with friends and family. Appreciate that about you. I love to see the growth. I love that we're helping people. Thanks to Reggie Campbell for coming on the broadcast. Thanks to Save the Storks and PolishedGenius.com. Also, big shout-out and thanks to the Voice of the Martyrs, helping those being persecuted for our gospel for more than 50 years. Persecution.com is their website. God bless, Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.